Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hello, 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 and happy Wednesday, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen with the P40 Ministries podcast. Thanks for tuning in to talk about Leviticus with me this morning. I'm really excited, and I've got my cup of coffee here with me. And I hope you guys are ready to study the Bible with me and that you guys have your cups of coffee as well or your cups of tea, whatever you prefer. But I don't know how anybody could prefer tea over coffee. I'm just going to say it for the millionth time. <laughs> oh, tea, uh, Coffee is so much better than tea. But, you know, I've been switching over to tea a handful of times just because I know I can't just keep dr- drinking coffee all day. And I'm kind of addicted to having just a warm beverage beside me. Coffee has made me addicted to just drinking warm things all the time. So I, I do switch over to tea later on in the day. <laughs> but if I could drink coffee all day and uh, sleep normally at night, I probably would. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about Leviticus 6 verses 24 through 30. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. version. Please feel free to read out of the version you prefer to read out of or just listen along if you are commuting to work, obviously. But let's go ahead and talk about this and discuss what God has to say about the sin offering today. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before Yahweh. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. It shall be eaten in a holy place, in the court of the tent of meeting. Whatever shall touch its flesh shall be holy. When there is any of its blood sprinkled on a garment, you shall wash that which it is sprinkled on in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken, and if it is boiled in a bronze vessel, it shall be scoured and rinsed in water. Every male among the priests shall eat of it. It is most holy." No sin offering of which any of the blood is brought into the tent of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. So the first thing that stands out to me is verse 24, actually, the first verse that we read, which says, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying. I think where people went wrong in the law back in the old days when people still had to follow the Old Testament law was that they forgot that this was God speaking to Moses. Like these were, this law was completely from God's own mouth. And they were forgetting that because of that, the law was holy. The law was good for people. And that they needed to take the law seriously because this was God teaching people how to live so that they don't die unforgiven and that they can actually die and live forever, basically, if that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, God spoke to Moses saying is such an important thing. And we do see that throughout the Levitical law so far, 
pretty much that's the same verse whenever there's a new start to a new paragraph. It's Yahweh spoke to Moses. And it's important to remember that because all of these, every single start to the new paragraph was God speaking. So that's the first thing that stood out to me. The second thing is this water we keep reading about, this water that was meant to purify things. We see it twice here. So the first thing was when the blood of the sin offering got on any kind of garment. So in other words, whatever the priest was wearing. If the priest accidentally had the blood, like, you know, splatter on him or something like that, the priest was supposed to wash his garment in a holy place. And uh, he was supposed to wash it with water. Then the second thing that we see is that when the meat of the sin offering was eaten by the priest, because there were certain circumstances where the priest could eat part of the sin offering, that was when any ordinary or common person brought a sin offering. Now, if a priest himself offered the sin offering, we read about that in Leviticus 4, that one could not be eaten by anybody. That one was uh, completely given to God, 100%, and nobody could eat it. And I believe if the congregation of Israel completely, totally sinned, that their offering also could not be eaten. So the only ones that could be eaten by the priests were the ones that common people brought. And uh, even then, it was supposed to be done in a very specific way. You know, it was considered very holy. And uh, if the blood got onto what the priest was wearing, then the priest's garment had to be washed with water in a holy place. And then the second thing is if the... Uh, if the where the meat was boiled in, it says that that one had to either be broken completely or it had to be washed with water if it was a bronze container. So it says here that um, in verse 28, if the priest cooks the meat in an earthen vessel, in other words, I would guess something like a clay vessel, which is probably very common back in those days and not hard to make. If the, the meat was cooked in one of those things, the earthen vessel or the clay vessel <laughs> had to be completely broken, had to be shattered. It couldn't be used anymore. And if it was cooked in a bronze bowl, then the bronze bowl didn't have to be destroyed or broken, but it had to be washed completely with water. I would guess two reasons for that is hygiene, probably is uh, one of the big ones for that is, you know, bronze is a metal. It's not going to be bad if you keep cooking it and stuff, but maybe a clay. I, I don't know much about clay, if I'm being honest, so correct me if I'm wrong about this one, but I would guess clay is less hygienic to cook in and a metal like bronze or a stainless steel or whatever we use nowadays is much more hygienic to cook in. So God says here that... um in order to make everything holy, though, they have to be washed with water. And do you know what that reminds me of is baptism. You know, this animal's blood was literally taking away the sin of the human being. Isn't that interesting? It was taking it away because when that animal was sacrificed and the person laid his sins on that animal, literally, by putting his hands on that animal... God recognized that as payment for that person's sins and then forgave that person. That, obviously, is what Jesus did for us nowadays. But when we get washed with that water, 
that reminds me of two things. It reminds me of baptism, you know, because when we are baptized, we go underneath that water signifying, you know, death. And then we come back up signifying life. And we are washed with that water. We are recognizing that Jesus's blood completely forgave us. And that baptism of being cleansed and washed with water just reminds me of what God was telling the Israelites to do here in Leviticus, you know, wash these things with water after they have been, you know, touched by the blood, kind of. It just, it sort of reminds me of that, the symbolism. Then the next thing that the water reminds me of is the verse in James, where it says, wash your hands, sinners. Don't let your loyalties be divided between God and the world. There's a verse in James that says that. And so he's talking to you and me. (laughs) James is saying, hey, sinner, (laughs) wash your hands of those sins. Don't let your loyalty be divided between God and what you want here on earth. I think it's important to recognize in James that he's not talking to people who aren't Christians there. He is talking to people who are in the church, who are Christians, who have their loyalties divided between God and obviously the world. And so James is saying that we need to wash our hands of those things that are keeping us from pursuing God completely. You know, whatever it might be, these idols that we cling on to on earth. And one thing I was thinking about recently is here in America, I believe our biggest idol is self. It's all about self. The Christian movement has incorporated self so much into it that when I go to women's conferences and stuff like that, it's all about, oh, you're so worthy. God has made you worthy. You, 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 you. And I don't think that that is always a bad thing to hear, but it is the majority of what Christians here in America, especially women, since I'm involved with uh, women's ministry and writing women's books and stuff like that, it is so much focused on the culture of what God can do for us and not about what we can do for not only God, but for other people. And of course, you guys could argue that we can't really do anything for God, but I'll save that argument for a different day. (laughs) But it's all about what God can do for us. The prosperity gospel here in America is just so prevalent. It's everywhere, you know, and and uh, most of the books I pick up and read have some sort of prosperity gospel, uh, something or other shoved into them. You know, if you do this, you're going to feel better. If you do that, you're going to be happier. If you uh, love God and, you know, you do this and that, you're going to get blessed with whatever. And... <laughs> You know, it's just, it's interesting how much that culture has taken over Christianity here in America. And like I said, I don't always believe it's a bad thing. And I don't believe that God does not bless us here on earth. I think he does. But it is very important for us to wash our hands of the world. You know, as James talks about, don't let our loyalties be divided between God and the world. We have to have our Eyes focused on God, not about what God can do for us here in the world, because that is not what matters. This life here on earth is not the end goal. Our end goal, obviously, is God and it's heaven. That is our end goal. 
And, uh, you know, Jesus even says himself, don't store up treasures here on earth, store up treasures in heaven, because that's what truly matters. And so washing our hands of stuff that, you know, is of the world that takes our focus away from God. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that having stuff here on earth is wrong or it's bad. It's not. But it becomes bad when we start focusing too much on those things and not on God himself. So that is the two things that this this Leviticus thing here of washing, you know, washing, making clean these items here in Leviticus kind of translate to now. You know, for example, it says here, it needs to be the vessel that this sin offering is cooked in. It needs to be scoured and rinsed in water. You know, that's just, <laughs> that to me, that is just so much symbolism of what we are supposed to be. When we are forgiven by the blood, we need to be washed with water and continue to uh, wash ourselves with water. <laughs> uh, I've talked about that a handful of times in uh, the podcast as well as we need to and what, what I mean by getting washed with water is just asking God to forgive us of those little idols that we have, those little sins that we have and uh, everything like that. But moving on here, actually in, uh, let's see here, verse 27, I really wanted to point this out. It says, whatever shall touch its flesh shall be holy. And I noticed that earlier, I think with the grain offering, it says that whatever touches the, or whatever eats the grain offering shall be holy. Now, the problem was, I was adding in a little word there in my own mind. I was reading it as whatever touches this, uh, this offering will be made holy. That's how I was reading it in my mind. But that is not what it says. That is incorrect. What it says here is whatever shall touch its flesh shall be holy not shall be made holy. In other words, the person who is touching this sin offering needs to be holy. We've heard that the word holy means to be set apart, right? And God has already given the priests the, uh, the rules as to how to be holy or how to be set apart. First and foremost, they have to be ceremonially clean. They have to, um, you know, be wearing the uh, holy garments, the ephod and the priestly garments, and they have to be following in God's law completely. And so these priests have to be ceremonially clean, in other words, holy when they are presenting this sin sacrifice. And if they aren't, then they can't present the sin sacrifices from the people. They have to present their own sacrifice to God, and in that way, they will be made holy. Now, that alone, we can see how people just could not follow this law, because how could a priest be constantly ceremonially clean? Maybe he would be at certain times, but, you know, he would have to always make sure he was being ceremonially clean. And that is where people started going wrong. 
with the Pharisees and stuff. They started becoming so arrogant in the time of Jesus. You know, these priests were so arrogant because they believed themselves to be constantly ceremonially clean and they believed themselves to never have committed any sins whatsoever. They fooled themselves. But the point of the law was actually to show people how sinful they really were and how they needed a sacrifice. They needed a savior. And so that was the point, firstly, of the animal sacrifices and recognizing God's grace through the animal sacrifices and then later on with Jesus. And so now we don't live under the Old Testament law anymore, but it's still necessary to learn because if we didn't know what caused us to be sinful, if we didn't understand, you know, that God is telling us that we have to live a certain way in order to be holy, we would never understand why Jesus had to come in the first place. And that's where the Pharisees in Jesus's day went wrong. They truly did not understand or believe themselves to ever be ceremonially unclean or ever to be contrary to God's law. They fooled themselves. And Jesus was always telling them, you know, you guys are hypocrites. You guys are fooling yourselves by not realizing how much you need a savior. And this all goes back to the whole heart thing where God was like, it's not the sacrifices I desire, but it's your heart. And I mean, this is, I, I could talk about this for so long, but I'm not going to. <laughs> But friends and faithful listeners, this was Leviticus chapter 6, and we finished out this chapter today. So join me on Friday for an episode out of uh, Leviticus 7, and, you know, I hope you guys have a really great uh, couple days. Until then, join me tomorrow, obviously, for an episode out of Mark. We are now officially in Mark chapter 15, but we're going to be talking about Jesus' death in the book of Mark. So, yeah, I mean, heavy stuff coming your way in the book of Mark. So I hope you guys join me for that tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. or whenever you guys wake up. Happy listening and God bless.